0: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, got kind of something to talk about. We have a big podcast tonight, and I'd really appreciate it if you get a rating and review on iTunes. It means a ton to me. It would the podcast out. The more rating and reviews we have, the more of an audience we can reach, the bigger and better we can make this thing. But uh, it'll help keep getting big guests like we have tonight. My good buddy Batfoot Crazy Toby joins the show. We talk about some recent MLB news and a ton of guys to potentially buy in on. They've been a little unlucky of late, or nope, just stay away from because the bad luck was meant to be. So listen up, get ready for Bench the Bubba episode 187 with Bat Flip Crazy. everybody to another episode of bench with Bubba episode 187 joined once again by a good friend of the show a good friend of mine uh, talking some fancy baseball I needed it you know we got in the football game last episode but we need the passion back we need the baseball in order to do so like I said a good friend you can find him on Twitter at Crazy Toby how we doing
1: man hey Bubba, I'm doing great thank you thank you so much for having me this is my third time on the program 187 shows my math isn't great, but I think I'm I'm on about one every 62 episodes. So that's a pretty good pretty good rate, I think.
0: And, and it needs to be more than that. But if it makes you feel any better, I think you're like one of the most uh, most done members, or I don't even know how to say it. My English isn't perfect on that most frequented guest. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so, so that's yeah. No, cool. I, I
1: feel you. You you always have terrific guests on. So I'm just uh, I'm flattered you you have me back for a third time. Oh, there'll be many, many
0: more. So uh, we'll definitely do that. Before we get going, you're a, you're a busy man. Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on and where they can find your work?
1: Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, the best place to reach me is always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Um, I am always willing to engage, try to uh, tweet out as much information as I can with an analytical ben, uh, bent, generally speaking. Um, and then my DMs are also open. So if folks have questions, you can also um hit me up there. People have started doing that um, with some frequency. And then outside of that, I have a website, com. I don't keep it updated that often, but I produce probably the most content on my podcast, which just goes by the name of Batfoot Crazy. Look for it on any of your normal podcast platforms and you can find it there. And you have been a guest a couple times on that podcast, including a, a lengthy like two and a half hour outfielder preview uh, before the season. So um, that's where you can reach me. Yeah, no,
0: that was a fun episode. It's uh, everyone's talking about taking their L's, their W's, and their L's right now. And I think just on that episode alone, we oh, went man. over what did we go over one hundred uh, players, seventy-five outfielders. Yeah.
1: I've put I've put yep. it all out of my head. I would hate to go back and listen <laughs> to what we said about those players now, right?
0: All I know is we got Max Kepler right, my friend. We got Max Kepler right. We We're all over
1: we, that one. we nailed Max Kepler.
0: Yep, we got him good, but uh, there's always W's, and there's always L's to be had, and, and uh, they'll be the L's will be let known to us much more than the W's, that's for, <laughs> for darn sure. Um, let's go over some recent MLB news before we get into some uh, StatCast data uh, for the get ready for the second half here. Some of these will be quick, some a little more in-depth, but just uh, for those that haven't heard for some reason, uh, Carlos Carrasco, we found out it is leukemia, the uh, blood disease or blood disorder he has that uh, caused him to go on the I.L., He's trying to come back this year. I'm not holding my breath. I think he'll be, uh, they'll take their time with him. And if he comes back at all, I think it's a small kind of bullpen roll, but, um, do you have anything else on, on Carlos Carrasco? I think he's droppable pretty much now, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's obviously terrible news and it puts a lot of things in, uh, into perspective, you know, with the fantasy game and baseball in general, but glad to see, it seems like, um, you know, uh, uh, the prognosis is, is good, uh, but I do think he is droppable. You know, the the small, slight chance that he does come back, you just don't know how he's going to perform either. Remember, he struggled early in the year. It'll probably take him some time to get back his strength. So I think you're safe to uh, to cut him loose, um, except if you're in a super deep like AL only, and you're just hoping he gets you a starter or two maybe.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, another one here, Jonathan Lucroy, uh, massive collision with Jake Marisnyk. Before the All-Star break, suffered a broken nose, concussion, all kinds of goodies. And, you know, people can debate was it dirty or not dirty. Uh, Marisnyk came down with a two-game suspension today because there was no intent they found. But still, you know, by the rules of the game, it's not supposed to happen, basically. So two-game suspension for Marisnik, Luke on the uh, IL. Anything on that situation? Because Luke Roy may be in two catcher leagues. Otherwise, probably not too relevant.
1: Yeah, it was, it was just a brutal, it was a brutal collision. I was watching it live actually. And it was just, uh, it was, it was just, uh, it was rough. And um, I I agree. It's tough to know. I know people were like showing screenshots and stuff like that. It's tough to know. I don't think it certainly wasn't on purpose, but um, obviously they have tried to get rid of collisions at home plate. There wasn't really like until the collision happened an attempt to slide at all. So I don't know. You don't want to blame anybody for it, but it was definitely a a brutal collision. Let's just hope Lucroy Croix comes back hundred percent, and the concussion isn't um, something that lingers like it does for a lot of folks. Yeah,
0: you know, Francisco Cervelli just hung up the catching gear. and He's going to try to play mm-hmm. kind of infield because of so many concussions at the plate. It's a scary thing. Mike Matheny's career is cut short because of the concussions with the Giants, and now you know managing and everything else. So it's just, it's a scary deal. Those concussions um, they, they don't disappear for some of these guys. Um, talking about catchers, we'll stay behind the plate here. I know this one is kind of a little closer to your your world here. Yadier Molina, it seemed like a minor injury going into the break. Now reports come out today, he's out till at least August, at least is the word they used, which is never ideal. I mean, there's really no set timetable. But they're thinking August here. What are you doing with Yadier right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in leagues where you don't have an IL where you can stash him, I'm comfortable dropping him. If you look at the player he's been since the injury, and to be honest with you, before he went back on the IL, I have him in a number of places, and I really I hadn't realized just how bad he had been. So he came back on June 11th from that um, the thumb tendon injury, I think it was. Um, his contact rate has crashed. It, uh, it's normally well above league average. It's now 10% below league average um, over those last 22 games. His hard hit rate is way down at 26.7%. He hasn't hit a single home run in those 22 games. And so I just worry a little bit about whether that's going to linger. And I think those concerns, along with the timeline, being a little bit indefinite, if you don't have you know deep benches where you feel comfortable stashing him, I do think it's okay to let him go. I just don't think the difference between his production um, is all that different than, than you know what has turned out to be a pretty deep uh, catching pool this year. And so I- I'm comfortable... Um, I'm comfortable letting him go uh, at this point. How about you, Bubba?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's been pretty crazy this year at that catcher's position. I know you and I we, on Twitter with somebody like Max Fries and, and some other guys, we had a lot of early season, preseason catcher discussions. I know we like Yadier, Danny Jansen. Uh, there, there's kind of a lot of misses where Danny's coming through now, but I, I don't remember and I can be told and uh, Roberto Perez and some of these other catchers. I don't remember them even being discussed by many people. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. So they're, they're like Jason Castro. Like the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Yadier can probably replace him with for the time being uh, if need be. Speaking of the St. Louis Cardinals, we'll stick with them real quick. Matt Carpenter, for those that have him and have stuck it out through the, the tough times, he's returning from the IL. He'll be back Friday night, back to game action. Do uh, you have any quick thoughts on uh, Matt Carpenter? It's been disappointing like last year, but last year he turned it around by now. I haven't seen any point in anything promising.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on that. I think the difference between this year and last year is last year, you know, the outcomes. I mean, you know, I think it was like all of April he was terrible. But it, when, you, when you looked at the underlying skills, they were actually pretty good. When you looked at the StatCast data, it wasn't bad. And when you looked at the expected metrics, at the time I used xstats.org, it's now defunct because Andrew Perpetua went over to the New York Mets. But, um, you know, those expected metrics pointed to somebody being much, much better. He led the league last year in in a metric called hard drive percentage, which is essentially the best combination of exit velocity and launch angle that there is. You know, you look at him this year, hard hit rates down 8%, pull rates down. He's always been a guy who pulls a ton of pitches, including balls in the air where he gets his power. He's gone from 8.3% barrels per plate appearance down to 4.9%. And the X stats actually don't point to him being all that much better than what he's done so far. And so for that reason, I think we're looking at a different player this year. And it's really, I think, a cautionary tale for folks not to... And this, I think, is something that I'm I'm, I'm learning a lot about this year is just, um, just because somebody has done something and the skills support it doesn't mean that it's likely that They're going to do it again. And when you look across the board, they were all career year numbers for Carpenter. He's 33. He's struggled with injury, and I think for that reason, you know, um, uh, I was fading him earlier on this year. But you can see why people were interested. But I just don't see the same thing happening for him this year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It was tough to jump on the the draft day price for a Matt Carpenter because people were going for that last season production maybe the last four or five months of last season production and hoping to carry over but a couple of things you mentioned there is and one of the big things for me when we see guys have you know big years you look at Ronald Acuna's or Juan Soto's who are so young and have so much more to do that you can kind of be like, okay gamble I think we need to step take a step back and I'm just as guilty of it I don't have any Carpenter this year thank goodness but you know, when we do our rankings and everything, we're ranking them kind of thinking they're going to keep going where they're going and taking a step back and thinking, OK, maybe that was like the, you know, 120 percentile. he <laughs> like okay. outproducing so highly, we need to take a big step back and really rein it in and think, OK, even two thirds, that's really good. But does that make him, you know, a, a fifth or sixth round pick? Probably not. So I think that's something and more stats come out and we can actually analyze things we need to you know, take steps back once in a while and, and let and see how things go. And we're going to talk about a couple uh, in the stat cast works like Jose Ramirez and Paul Goldschmidt, that their geysers making people constantly scratch their heads and try to figure out what's going on here. So it's not just Carpenter, but it, it's a weird situation with some of these guys for sure. Let's go to Tampa Bay Rays here. Jose Alvarado. This is a guy that has burned me tremendously. Bleak injury out six to eight weeks now. For me, he is droppable. I have an excuse, as Sammy retweeted me, at least now you have an excuse to drop the ERF that has been hampering you down because there will be no saves coming. Uh, Diego Castillo is back from the IL. Chaz Rowe was placed on the IL as well. How are you assessing this Tampa Bay situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer for for Alvarado owners, especially folks who who kind of hung on through their recent struggles. It started out, out so well for him. I mean, he looked so good earlier on in the season, and it's just uh, evaporated. I think in the overall situation, I think for me, um, you know, I'm not a big believer in Castillo. Uh, the control metrics are not good at all. They weren't good last year, but he was able to kind of fight through that. Um, I just don't, I don't see that. And I don't see the, um, the strikeout skills really being there either. Um, his swinging strike rate is down this year. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it's down 2% down to like 11%, which is around league average, but not necessarily what you want from an elite reliever. And then when you look at a couple of the other options that the Rays have in the pen, I mean, Emilio Pagan has been excellent across the year. He's actually got the eighth lowest expected woba among all pitchers, I think, with like at least five plate appearances. So he's doing really well, has that fastball, the nasty slider. And then there's Colin, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Pochet. Uh, who is the rookie who's come up, you know, he throws pretty much all four seam fastballs, but his four seam fastball has a 23.7% swinging strike rate on it, um, which is just insane. Like I I saw that and I was trying to figure out how you throw one pitch and you have a 24% swinging strike rate on it, but he's thrown about 240 of the pitches. So it's not like we're dealing with a minuscule sample size. Um, so I think he's also a guy that you might uh, maybe look at, but, if I were, going to, were to rank them, I'd probably go uh, Pagan, Poche, and then uh, Castillo after that. How about you?
0: Yeah, any way you look at it, I think mean, Pagan and Castillo are the kind of front runners that could, could kind of sneak in there a bit. But any way you look at it, it's going to be a committee. I think it's going to be the same way it's been all year long. You might have one of those guys kind of take the reins and maybe get, you know, 40% of them, to maybe 33%. It's going to be rough. It's going to be the same thing they've been doing every year. That's what makes it, them such a good team is cash cashing. They coach to win games, not to, to pad stats of whoever's pitching back there. Um, so that'll make it really interesting because Alvarado is sneaking a save from time to time. So it wasn't just a one-man show there in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, you can get different pieces of them. Maybe collect, you know, 10-plus saves from one of these guys or two of them even. That can help you stretch. So definitely something to jump on and know for yourself and, and myself and my TGFBI and these deeper leagues. They're pretty much all gone. But um, if if you have the ability to grab one, it's not worth a. It's not a bad idea to take a flyer on one of those guys. Philadelphia Phillies, Jake Arrieta, bone spurs in his pitching elbow that is not good. And so he's not just a grumpy old man; he's got an injury as well. But uh, looks like he's going to pitch through it. When people said he should have had surgery, I want nothing to do with this. What's your thoughts on Jake Arrieta?
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I haven't I haven't wanted anything to do with uh, Jake Arrieta for a very long time. Um, and yeah, he might be like the mean, the meanest spirited, uh, baseball player, um, <laughs> around, I mean, just like just a jerk. So I don't want my team for that reason to begin with, but in terms of like uh from a skills perspective, like he just doesn't strike people out and he gives up a ton of contact. And that's been the case since he's gone to this super heavy sinker approach. And I think in today's game, like you give up contact and you lose. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay clear of Arietta, whether he continues pitching or, or whatnot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying clear of him. How about you?
0: Yeah, no, not, nothing to do with Arietta, Nothing at all. I didn't want him coming into this to way too much contact for my liking. And that, uh, that AL East is, is no joke right now. The Marlins are about are the only joke you can find. And they're pesky right now. I call them oh, yeah. the pesky Marlins because they're finding ways with these young kids that have nothing to lose, and they're, they're surprising you. Night in and night out. So nothing's a cakewalk like it used to be with the Marlins. Um, it's the easiest of the draws, but still not a cakewalk by any means. So, yeah, no no Jake Arrieta for me in that ballpark. You know, you get a hot Freddie Freeman and company in there. I, I don't like the idea of that at all. Yeah. Um, Boston Red Sox, Mitch Borland, coming from the IL here very shortly, maybe as soon as this weekend. All-star season, really surprising people. This year was having an okay year, but not ideal He's likely available on a lot of waiver wires out there unless some savvy owners grabbed him that need some corner infield help or something. Do you have any thoughts on him returning?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a possible option in, in deeper leagues, you know, maybe 15 team leagues. I really I think a lot of it depends on how the Red Sox manage the situation. I believe um, uh, Michael Chavis has been playing uh, primarily at first base. Um, I haven't checked in on him recently. I know he had some contact issues. Um, but some decent batted ball quality, um, you know, if Moreland is on the strong side of a platoon, I think he does have some value in those deeper leagues. If you get, you know, a week, like if, if you're not in weekly league, so if you're in like an nfc format or a format where you have it's either daily or, you know, you're changing in the middle of the week and you can get like three or four games against a righty, I think he does have some value in that Red Sox lineup. He actually was doing pretty well. Um, like at least from a contact quality perspective, I think he had like a 10.3% barrels per plate appearance, which is really good um, uh, before he went on uh, the uh, IL. And so I do think that there's some value in having him. Um, I think the counting stats will be decent. The power could be decent, especially with this new ball. The power is decent for pretty much anybody. Um, So, you know, I think in some deeper leagues, but I think under that, I, I, I don't think there's much value there. Yeah,
0: so I'm with you. they AL only deep leagues. You might be able to find some love there, but uh, it's pretty interesting. It's like, uh, would you rather have Mitch Moreland or Nate Lowe?
1: Oh, I'd rather have Nate Lowe. I'm like, I'm just saying my prayers that Nate Lowe gets a good run at playing time right now because I picked him up last week and like, I have him in both of my main events. Um, I have him... Well, you know, even if he just plays this week, I mean, they have Baltimore. They have four games against Baltimore um, in the next three days. And so that's, you know, that's pretty decent. I actually think they have like an incredible schedule coming up. Um, Let's see, who is it? Yeah, it's uh, at Baltimore for four, at the Yankees for four, against the White Sox, against the Red Sox, uh, at Toronto, at Boston. So pretty much like their next 20 games. I don't think there's really a, a an elite pitching staff there. I mean, you can make an argument maybe for the Yankees, and depending on who they catch with the Red Sox, but it's a really nice schedule. And so I'm hopeful that he sticks around um, and gets a run at playing time. Hopefully, those two home runs before the break uh, gives him a little bit of a leash there in Tampa. What do you uh, what are you thinking? I, I want Nate Lowe to be the guy. I held on to him in
0: TGFB or to get barf that we're in. Uh, I really need him to play. Jason Colette's tweet the other, or no, his talks on uh, Sleeper in the Bust on Sunday scare me. He thinks he'll be back down soon when Choi comes back, which is, which is not good. But uh, I hope they keep him around. I don't know why they picked Choi over uh, um, Lowe. But so the third time could happen again, and it's very, very terrifying. But I'd I like some Nate Lowe to get some regular at bats for sure. Let's go to the San Francisco Giants. Mad um, took a line drive. He's supposed to be fine pitching this weekend in uh this weekend series in Milwaukee I believe he's had a really interesting year he's actually been uh pretty decent on the road and at, it's not great at mad bum it's not vintage mad bum it's not bad at mad bum. What's your thoughts on bum
1: overall yeah i mean I, I mad bum is surprising me i was totally i was one of the people who was totally off of him heading into this year. I just thought everything was pointing to him just not being. Um, a good pitcher. And then when you look at what he's done so far, I mean, it looks bad. But when you consider the fact that league-wide ERA is up by almost half a run this year already, like, you know, you factor that into his ERA and, and you're looking at a, you know, a, a decent season. Uh, even more recently, like when I looked at the last five games and some of the skills that he was showing, 13.5% swinging strike rate, which is really nice. Forty percent O swing with along with really nice control metrics is going to keep that walk rate super low. Eighty-two percent in zone contact, so better than league average there. Slightly better than league average uh, called plus swinging strike rate at twenty-nine point two percent, and that all boils down to a twenty-two percent K minus walk rate, which is terrific. And so, if he can keep that up, um, you know, I think he's um, you know he's somebody that I'd like to own. It'll be really interesting to see you know, where he goes at the tread deadline, assuming that he does get dealt. Um, I'm just really I'm intrigued to see where he ends up. Um, you know, and, and that'll obviously impact him positively on the win front. And I also think I actually think he's been doing better, at least this year, like away from um, whatever it's called now, T Mobile Park or Pac Bell or AT what is it called? <laughs> it's Oracle? always AT&T in my heart. Historical, yeah. right? Uh, T Mobile yeah, is the Oracle park, Sorry. Um, whatever the telephone company is um, so uh, this year I mean it's it's just this year it's a small sample size but I'll be really interested to see I mean if he if he goes to a team like the Braves or the twins and you know, I think that could really positively impact his value. how are you feeling about the possibility of losing like the major focal point of these giants championships
0: I'm all for it i I, I was I was accepting of this last offseason I wanted them to trade him at the deadline of last year and get more for it I'm under the realization that in order to rebuild you're gonna have to get rid of some guys and that's just the way the game works and I thought they could have got more for him last year obviously he wasn't pitching great and he, again he's not great right now but he is a lot better than what he has been of late and um, he's, he's been grinding it out especially the last I'd say month he seems to really kind of been finding that groove where he's Becoming more of a pitcher instead of just a thrower, which mm-hmm. I said in the preseason is what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to become a pitcher because he's just not dominating anymore. And I think he's going to help the team out in the postseason because what people forget is every, every argument you hear is, oh, well, he's not the mad bum of old. Well, obviously, he's not the mad bum of old. They're not trading for him to be an eight, they're trading for him to be a three or a four Is a playoff contender that probably already has a pitching staff. Like if he goes to, imagine if he goes to the break. The Astros are rumored, the Yankees, the the Twins. He fills right into the middle of that rotation. It, like, I, I technically, I guess, you, on the Twins, he'd be behind Barrios or behind Barrios and Gibson, but still, it's two or three. He's not the ace of the staff, which is what people need to realize. And he can really fit in and, and do well in that situation.
1: Definitely. So we'll see. I'm glad you're not. let go to I'm glad you're not um, a. You know, just totally overwhelmed with, uh, with emotion at the fact that he's going to be no.
0: No, I'm ready for them. Like I can't even warn them. Hey, just be ready. Because um, she she heard a rumor of Mad Bum getting traded. And she mm-hmm. was shocked, and I said, "Hey, be ready." Pretty much everybody, but I think Posey is not available. So, yeah. and uh, and I think it's Posey because no one's going to pay what the Giants want. Basically, <laughs> um, well, every, I- everybody else is pretty much available.
1: Yeah, and what I'll say is, if I was a Giants fan, I would actually be excited about the future because when you look yes. at some of the some of those uh-huh. guys like Luciano is crushing it, Elliot Ramos is crushing it. They've got some lesser known guys. What's his name? Canario, I think, um, who's also yep. tearing it up. Like you look throughout the minors at the youngest players who are do- who are like doing really well at their level, and the Giants are yep. all over that. So I think in like two or three years' time you know they could have a, a really elite offense with some of those prospects they have
0: i completely agree that's why i told people when when zahidi came over i said just be patient he's going to do it in a different way than you're used to he's going to tear some things down like look at all the trades they made for outfielders he's just trying anything and then alex dickerson's here now crushing baseballs mm-hmm. like he he's 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 not giving up a lot he's going to keep turning over guys until he finds what he needs younger guys and then he's going to get keep the prospects going right now that hunter bishop they just drafted uh, prospects live just came out with their new top 100 fantasy prospects, so it's not mm. real life prospects, but still yeah. fantasy. Right now, the Giants have four guys in the top 100. I know that doesn't sound like a lot to many, but as a Giants fan here, that is yeah. a lot. That is a yeah. ton <laughs> because they're all hitters. They're all hitters. The Giants yeah. never have hitting prospects ever. So yeah, the, I'm with you. The future is bright. Uh, I, I said it'll be two, three years, like you said, but eventually, you know, because that's Crawford Belt panic even Longoria in about three years or whatever that's all gone so they'll have money to spend they'll have young prospects trying to rock and roll so I, I'm I'm pretty pretty pumped on it we won three championships we can't cry about not competing every year it's just, that's, we're not the Yankees we're not the Red Sox
1: it's just how it's going to go
0: you got to be accepting of that
1: totally just just make sure they trade uh, Brandon Belt this year
0: I, I'm so yeah. want them to I've been a, a belt proponent forever I get everyone argues me every offseason when I talk about him if he's in any other ballpark, any oh, yeah. ballpark outside of San Francisco, he's a 20, 25 plus home run guy. Like he is yeah. a very, very good hitter, and he just doesn't get the love he deserves because he's an AT and T. I agree. So, yeah, no, I, I, I would love to see him go to like, well, Yankee Stadium would be the dream because he's thirty plus home runs there. But just, like I said, anywhere. Just let him go somewhere and have fun. It'd be great. He's, he's, he deserves it to me. Um, move on. The Oakland Athletics' Sean Manaya the A's knee-pitching with Frankie Montas getting suspended for the rest of the year. Um, the setbacks to Lazardo in his way. But uh, Sean Manaya started uh, first rehab start recently. Second one's coming up this weekend, I believe. There's a chance he can be back in a couple weeks. Uh, any desire to go run and uh, pick up a Sean Manaya
1: not really. I mean, I, I think in, in a 15 team league, if you're desperate for pitching, like if you're just looking for, you know, lightning to catch lightning in a bottle, um, he could always replicate that no-hitter that he got against the Red Sox where he had like five strikeouts or something. Um, you know, he he his velocity has decreased the last two years. Last year it was in like the mid ninety ninety-one, like ninety-one six or something like that he's just, he's not a strikeout pitcher. He's got a seven uh, just slightly over seven K per nine uh, for his career. Again, like contact is deaf in today's game. And so unless you're striking out a decent amount of guys or you're Kyle Hendricks, or you have that level of uh, control um, uh, or command, then I just think, you know, you're going to struggle um, and so I'm not really that interested. I do think that the key will be to monitor his velocity. I think he might be able to be useful if he's in kind of that 92 to 93 range that he was in, um, not last year, but the two years before that. Uh, if he can get back to there, then, you know, I may have a little bit of interest because the A's are a good team defensively um, and, you know, they score a decent number of runs. And, but outside of that, I think that's just in the deeper leagues that I would look at him there. Yeah, I'm with
0: you. I, I I need to see more from him. He had, he, he had that no-hitter. He had a couple of starts. But all in all, there was a lot of uh, questionable outcomes when it came to Shamanaya. So coming back from the injury, need to sit and wait and see a little more from him before I get rocking and rolling. Let's go to Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Mauricio Dubon it gets the call, which is a big, big move. Because that was always the concern with Keston here. I was, what are they going to let him up because there's no room for him? Well, Keston's up. And now with Arcia getting hurt because Kestenhire basically Hira injured him, colliding on a fly ball. The irony behind this whole situation. Um, we get Marisa Dubon up, and he has been crushing it in the minor leagues. Now we don't know how long he'll be up, but he does add a little bit of interest here. What's your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say my interest is mediocre. Um, I'm not sure. How, do you know how long Arcia is supposed to be out for? I haven't
0: seen. I'll look it up while you talk about Dubon.
1: Okay. Um, You know, I think he does have an interesting profile like this. The strikeout percentage is low throughout the minors. Um, uh, He has that high contact profile, which is something that I like, and we don't see a lot in the game. He's also been able to hit with with some power. And you may be able maybe like, oh, well, it was AAA with the new ball. Well, they're using that same ball um, in the majors this year. And so that's obviously helping with uh, the huge uh, power spike that we're seeing. Um, I think one thing that's going to limit his value, we have not seen him in a starting lineup yet. My assumption is, is that you're going to see him batting eighth in front of the pitcher. And so that's going to limit the stolen base opportunities because if he gets on first, the pitcher is going to be bunting, uh, in most situations. And so, you know, that is where I think he derives a little bit of his value. Um, but you know, I think. Uh, Overall, I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting profile. A little bit of pop, some contact, a little bit of speed. We've seen crazier things happen, so uh, I'm not like jumping over myself to get him, but I'm very interested to see how he does, you know, this weekend uh, against your Giants. Um, And you know, uh, I think a lot of a lot of what I see there will uh, dictate how much I'm willing to bet on him uh, in Fab. Uh, like at least in NFBC where he wasn't available on Sunday. How are you uh, Are you feeling about him?
0: I think if you need some middle infield help, take the gamble. A little bit of speed, not a ton of power, but uh, good average. I agree with what you said, though. That's a sneaky part that a lot of people don't take into consideration, when, especially when they see a, a prospect come up, is where is he going to hit in the order? If he's hitting eighth in the National League, it's not ideal. So that's a very, very good point there. I think he's. if you need depth, I get it. I think it's a very good deeper league move. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be up for because reports, I haven't seen anything I can find right now. Um, what I'm seeing is it's just short left shoulder, left arm injury. Um, things are kind of tingling, is what they were mm-hmm. saying. So they're still evaluating him. I'd imagine sometime tomorrow we'll probably get some more information on Arcia. But the collision was pretty nasty. MLB dom-, dom showing the video and it did not look good. And he's in a lot of pain. Had to get helped mm-hmm. off the field. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. It could just be a, a, a stinger or it could be a long-term thing. The thing I'm thinking, if they're calling up a top prospect, I think maybe it's a little longer than just a, a little, a small DL stint, but it could be totally wrong. We never know this day and age when they're letting young guys come up more and more than they used to. CJ Cron, the guy has been having a great season for the Minnesota twins. He goes to the IL, hopefully not too seriously, but uh, what's your thoughts on Cron these days?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The, um, uh, I was thinking about this when we were talking about Yachty. Like, he has the thumb injury too, Crone. And apparently it was bothering him uh, well before he went on the DL. And if you take a look at his, um, you know, his rolling average graphs on Fangraphs, graphs, um, you can see like a very clear point in time kind of around late June where there was something that happened, like he aggravated the injury or that's when the injury popped up. But you see his hard hit rate drop. Uh, pretty quickly, um, his ground ball uh, rate increases, which is a good indicator of injury. Sometimes when that kind of pops out, his plate discipline started to wane. Um, so I think there was definitely signs that the injury was hampering him. Although if you look at his expected wOBA over the same period of time, like over the last month or so, it is like something like three seventy six. So it's really good. It's really just unfortunate because Crone was having an outstanding breakout year, and he was kind of lost. I think a little bit in the shuffle of just how good the Twins have been. But across the board, his skills are improved. He's got a 4% jump in contact. His hard hit rate was up before the injury. Um he, has a, he had a really nice barrel rate. He has a really high max exit velocity. He's one of the, like, 30 guys in the league that can get above 115 miles per hour on his max exit velocity, which, you know, bodes really well. And I think something heading into the season, you know, that I was kind of thinking about and I mentioned was – um, you know, he has never really gotten regular playing time. Like Tampa was the first time, you know, he'd been uh, he really like moved around so much in, in with the Angels. Like that was the first time he got consistent playing time and I think had the opportunity to improve. And I think you started to see some of that improvement happening. And he's really taken that uh, with the Twins. I mean, he's got a, a strikeout percentage well below league average with all that power that he's got. So just a really nice season. So it's unfortunate he goes on the IL. I think you're holding on to him. Um, hopefully you have an IL slot to stick him in, but I think he's going to be worth it down the stretch. I mean, the Twins um, are going to have some really nice games down the down the back stretch here, given you know the the division that they play in. So, big Crone fan here. Sad that he's on the IL, but I think you hold on to him.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. You hold on to him. He's been very, very good. I agree with what you were saying um, last season when the Rays got him. I was super pumped because, like you said, the Angels didn't give him playing time. They were making him split time or pull holes and some others, and we saw what happened with Chrome with getting playing time. And we knew Chrome wasn't going to be a, a batting average-like asset. We all knew that. If you thought he was going to be, you're crazy. But the power is legit, and he, he's brought that over to this year, and his batting average has even been a little better. So hopefully the injury's not too bad. Like, it's not Yadier bad, and he can come back. But it's frustrating when these guys, you know, try to play through these injuries, and, and like, they would have just went on the out right of way. It might have healed quicker. You know, selfishly, our, our stats might not have suffered for a little bit, little things like that. It, I know you know they're they're paid for this and they need to stay on the field as long as they can. But you'd think it'd be in their best interest, in the team's best interest, to get this fixed as soon as possible. Because right now they got Marvin Gonzalez projected to play first base, which is fine and dandy. But you take that big Chrome bat out of the lineup; that's a, that's a big blow to a Twins okay. team which is already loaded. And, but they're missing your boy Eddie Rosario right now on the IL as well. So two big bats on the IL. Luckily, the uh, AL Central's not too bad. Uh, not too bad to take a little break on. Them. Lastly, on the news front, David Peralta of the Arizona Diamondbacks goes to the IL with a uh, AC joint inflammation in his right shoulder. It's been bugging him for over a month. So another guy at Crone dealing with an injury. Numbers struggled. They finally put him on the IL. Um, hopefully he's back soon. Hopefully the D-backs hope he's back soon because there's trade interest in a guy like David Peralta. But what's your thoughts on Peralta?
1: Yeah, I think um, I'm a little bit uh, more. I'm, I'm worried about Peralta because in looking up uh, the notes on him, I noticed that uh, Lavulo was quoted as saying that they're going to be a little bit more conservative with him this time, since you know the first time on the IL didn't really heal him up totally. Uh, obviously, solid contributor overall, like especially around batting average. Um, I think you know he was a guy where you know I, the power spiked last year. You know, it was just so not totally out of the blue, but enough where I I feel like you couldn't really be expecting that to continue. So we've obviously seen that go down despite the ball, you know, the the counting stats are going to be kind of where they were last year, at least on a per plate appearance basis. So, you know, overall, like a solid uh, contributor, but, um, you know, obviously with him going on the IL, um, you know, there's not. Huge hopes for him uh, necessarily rest of season. It seems like it might be something that lingers for a little while. You never like to hear about uh, the shoulder being injured.
0: Yeah, shoulder injuries, that zaps power big time. So that's a scary thought. The guy like David Peralta coming off a huge 2018. It's also similar to the Matt Carpenter vein. You got to keep in mind, he's going to be 32 next year. Do we buy into him in the offseason? Healthy, bouncing back, maybe in a new environment? Or do we get a little skeptical? We'll have to wait and see. But I think I at this point in time, I'd be a, okay with we'll jumping back on some David Peralta next year. But that's a long ways to go. And we'll probably talk multiple times before then and go back and forth on David Peralta and many others along that way. All right, let's talk about some June StatCast standouts. It's kind of a way to incorporate guys that had some maybe underachieving Junes that might be worth uh, keeping an eye on, grabbing, trading for. Also kind of giving a roundabout way of, hey... Maybe big second halves are coming from these guys. It's a, a two and a one here. And I chose to use Woba and minus X Woba from June 1st to July 1st. Many more tools to use. When you follow Toby uh, at, at batflipcrazy.com or at batflipcrazy on Twitter, he's tweeting out different swinging strike rates, Woba, X Woba, all the different deals to help you evaluate pitchers and hitters. This is just one small angle of it, but gives you an idea of some guys that might be underachieving i'm not going through all of my kind of cherry picked some in like the the top 20 on the list or so that has some fantasy relevancy and we'll kick it off with austin meadows he was 0.060 below his uh, actual WOBA when it comes to expected woba still a 0.309 expected woba isn't great by any means but this is a guy that tore it up early got hurt really hasn't bounced back are you seeing anything in austin meadows that makes you think you know a, a big second half's coming or is it kind of like, if you're an Austin Meadows owner, maybe trade him and get what you can now, because maybe the stats are showing that hot start really wasn't sustainable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I really like Meadows as a player. Um, I think um, I talked about him at the, on the last podcast um, that I did, and, and I think he's a guy who in like keeper leagues or dynasty leagues, if somebody's, if you're out of contention and you know, uh, somebody's really going for it and you have some pieces you might be able to move. I think he's a guy that um, I would really be targeting because I think he has a really bright future. I mean, remember, this is his first full season in the big leagues. Um, and so what he was able to do initially, I think, is, uh, uh, is quite something. Uh, the, the biggest concern, you know, I think recently that we've seen with him is a contact uh, rate drop. Um, his contact rate is down, you know, about like 4% below league average or so still pretty solid. Um, the hard hit rate is down from where it was earlier in the year, um, play discipline up a little bit. So all the skills are kind of going, you know, regressing to the mean, if you will, of maybe what his true talent level is at this point. And so he's not a guy that I have huge expectations for, um, rest of season. I still think he's going to be solid. He's going to be good. Um, you know, the last time I looked like he was around 350, 360 for expected Woba and Woba for the overall season. So I think what we're seeing is some regression from how that hot start that he had early in the year, all around like a solid guy. I don't think, you know, it's his first year in the league. So I think we're seeing him adjust pitchers adjust and they'll go back and forth. And so, so really bright future. I don't have huge hopes uh, for the rest of the season. I think he'll be solid, but I don't think we're going to see that a return to kind of first half Meadows. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm with you then. That's kind of what the numbers show me when I'm looking at it is, you know, that 309 in the month of June, basically, it's, you know, he's he's underperforming, but again, 309 is nothing great. And he just had such an awesome start to the year. It's going to be hard to, to, to keep that going. So I'm with you. If it's a dynasty, go grab him because he's going to be very, very good. But it's one of those, if you own him right now, and there's some owners that still think he's got it, I have no problem flipping him getting a couple pieces that help you on your stretch run and make that happen. I got no problem with that at all. Uh, going to our next guy, a couple of names we'll pass over. CJ Krom mentioned him a second ago, um, even with the injury, like you mentioned, some of his stat cast numbers stood out. Evan Longoria, Stephen Piscotti, Jason Kipnis is actually having a really good season and not many people are paying attention to that. He's been but real the next hot guy season. we'll talk about. Yeah, really, really hot. Uh, I've actually added them in some, some leagues. It's been that kind of year, but oh, um will Myers, you, now,
1: Baba, just because, It's such a beautiful thing. The Cleveland schedule after the All-Star break for folks who are looking for like just, you know, maybe a two-week bump. So Cleveland plays Minnesota for three games um, after the All-Star break. Then they get Detroit for four, Kansas City for three, Blue Jays for three, and Kansas City for four. Oh wow! That's how they close out July. So they probably have the best – kind of rest of July schedule. So any Cleveland players you have from the 15th of July forward, uh, I think you're going to be looking at a pretty nice uh, return there, including Kipness. I like that.
0: Good call with that. The guy we'll talk about here in the month of June, he had a 275 WOBA and a 323 expected WOBA. not bad. 0. 0.048 differential. Will Myers, couple things with Will Myers. We've seen the good, we've seen the bad with him this year. Another part of the bad, though, not just statistic-wise, playing time has been a massive issue right now. And there might be some trades coming in San Diego. He might be dealt. Other guys might be dealt to free up spots for Will Myers. What's your thoughts on Will Myers kind of going forward here? Because he's one of those guys when he's playing every day and he's right, he's a very good power-speed combo. But right now he's not playing much and he's not right.
1: Yeah, he's a huge bane, and uh, he's just been he's been crushing me. Because you're right, I mean, he has been starting maybe once or twice, you know, a week for the last couple weeks, um, which just really makes him unplayable in anything but daily leagues. Um, you know, I have him in my three biggest leagues. I have him in my two main event leagues, and um, I have him in my TGFBI as well. Don't go, don't go chasing stolen bases, kids. That's the uh, that's the uh, <laughs> That's what we've learned from Will Myers. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's hard to pinpoint Myers. I think the la- like in June, he actually, uh, like you mentioned, like the underlying skills weren't terrible. He's had a really, really hard hit rate, but he's been super passive. Like if you watch his at-bats, it's almost like he's looking for certain pitches and he's looking for certain pitches throughout the entire at-bat, regardless of like what the count is. And if it's not the pitch he's looking for, he's, like, not swinging. Like, it literally is painful sometimes to watch him bat because he's taking these perfectly good or at least, like, clear strikes um, just because he's being so patient. Now, that's definitely helped uh, his plate discipline numbers, but um, he's kind of been all over the place. I think he's really struggling. I'm hoping that the all-star break comes at, at the right time because I think the Padres have shown that when he is right, when he is playing well, like he was earlier on in the year, um he is going to be a fixture in their lineup and so i think that's what you're hoping for uh that or a trade but i think given how he's playing and the contract that he has i think it's going to be hard to see them you know moving him he's almost a guy that you um that you kind of uh you know you need to give something for somebody to take on that contract for you so um you know uh, Myers i do think that there's potential i mean the speed and the power combo is um, terrific. And so if he can get right, and I do think that it is going to come at some point this season, I think he's just been too good. He's gone through rough stretches in the past. Um, you know, I, I think he will come good for uh, some period of the second half, but it is certainly painful uh, to watch him through these struggles right now.
0: Yeah. It's been a mess. Cause like Renfro is getting his playing time and he's, he's taking advantage of it, but then you got Margot, you got Fran Reyes, who's barely getting playing time. And he still has over 20 home runs. Yeah, Will Myers, that whole San Diego situation very, very known. There's more prospects knocking on the door to come up there that might mix things up even more. So um, it's going to be tough. Very, very tough there in San Diego. Uh, we'll skip Nick Ahmed and we'll go to Jose Ramirez. Kind of mentioned him earlier. 271 Woba, 319 X Woba in the month of June. You know, you look at the overall seasons to Stackhouse and definite drop off from last year in certain key Stackhouse categories that I look at. But still, if he meets some of these expected stats, it's not a bad season, especially if he does that here in the second half in a shorter period of time. But, man, you look at a lot of the the hit tools and everything going on right now. It's very sketchy with Jose Ramirez. What are you looking at when you see Jose Ramirez right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I see just like a huge conundrum. I mean, obviously, like the fly ball rate, the launch angle um, have have just gotten a little bit out of control. And I think that that zaps the Babbitt. And- it zaps the batting average, but I don't think it fully explains like what is happening. Like he's he may be just going through like the most extended period of bad luck combined with some skill regression. Um, if you look over the last month, not just at June, his expected woba is at 342. Again, not necessarily what you want uh, or you wanted or expected from him when you drafted him. He continues to provide steals. The average is slowly going up um I think he's too good of a hitter to stay bad for a really really long time so I still think that the long term I mean remember he's still what like 25 or 26. He's
0: 26 years old he's still super young
1: yeah it seems like he's been around forever I just think he's too good of a hitter I mean the plate discipline is still uh very good um the contact rate is still very good he's never been a stat cast darling like he's definitely gotten worse but even last year I think when he hit you know, the 30 plus home runs, he was, I think he was at like a five and a half percent barrel rate or like a low six barrel rate. And so he's, you know, I think that's kind of the key is he's got to get back to those ways of getting the bat out in front of the getting the ball out in front of the plate, pulling it down the line for his power. Um, You know, but who knows at this point, right? Like we're, we're all like, you know, oh yeah, it's going to get better soon. It's going to get better soon. It's going to be getting better soon. It's got to get better soon. Right. So I think we're all just, you know, there's nothing you can do, right? Like you drafted him, you're not going to get the value that you need. You're not going to find guys on the waiver wire who have his potential, most likely, and so you're sticking with him on your teams, and you're just hoping that uh, that those skills and some of that improvement recently turns into some actual production.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, and, and like you mentioned, things are getting better if you want to look at it that way. I, I pulled up his game on Fangraphs, fan graphs, and, and since he started kind of getting hot, you could say it was June 14th. Last 19 games going into the break, he hit safe between 15 of those 19 over that stretch, 284 average, 350, a 230 ISO, only striking out 8% of the time. Um, he's got three homers, uh, nine extra bases, stolen bases, looking a lot more like the Jose Ramirez of old. Um, and if he can continue to do that the rest of the way, I think most owners would be very happy with that. So I'm with you. It, it's, it's a down year. When we look at the, the end of the season, look at the back of the baseball card, it's going to be a very disappointing Jose Ramirez year. Because think about it. I remember I think it was Brant Chester or some other really respected guys, like in TGFBI, took him at number one. And, mm-hmm. and he went anywhere from like one to – it was one of those volatile picks in all of TGFBI. I, I'd have to go back and look at as Sheep. But he, he went anywhere from like one to ten or something in most drafts. And it was very, very tough to pinpoint what he was going to do because you either believed him or you believed what Clay Link said that tortured everybody at the end of last season. And it, it's very odd with uh, Jose Ramirez. But it's one of those guys, I think, if you can if you can buy low right now, I'd be on board with that because, again, he's not going to be that 330 guy uh, with tons and tons of pop. But what he's done over the last three weeks, I, you'd say, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. You nailed it earlier with the, the Indian schedule coming up. I think there's a lot to like about – Jose Ramirez and the tribe. That that team's gonna be good. And your boy Jake Bowers might hit a run here. Uh Tether, Naquin. There's a lot to like there with that stretch coming up.
1: Do you know that Jake Bowers is hitting like 327 over his last 14 days?
0: Yeah, see, they're streaking. They're all playing really good ball, Blade. I know. I'd have to go like and again, it, it goes they played at Great American Small Park, at the Royals. They faced Baltimore, Royals, Detroit. Now they get them all again. They played in Texas, at Detroit. Man, their last like Three weeks now the next two or three weeks it's a cookie schedule yeah for sure so, lots to like there good uh good info picking that one up there
1: yeah. and one guy i just throw out there randomly is tyler naquin you know he's starting he's starting against righties and he's been hitting the ball really really hard recently so if you're in a deeper league and you're looking for just a guy to play for the next couple of weeks naquin might be a guy i'd look at yeah, that's a
0: dude that um, I've been recommending a lot on my DFS show on the mornings when a, a friendly righty that you can target. He's been very, very good. He's got, uh, you know, in the month of June alone, he's got I like, think six or seven home runs, so he's definitely doing some things for you that many might not have seen coming. So good call on Nick when as well. Uh Next up, another conundrum, kind of like Jose Ramirez, but the numbers really aren't helping much in the month of June. Only a 307 expected wobble for Paul Goldschmidt. And it's been a very, very rough year for Goldie. Uh, the D-backs fans were all disappointed when he got traded. They're still not happy, but things aren't as uh, bleak as they were. Do you have any hope in Paul Goldschmidt turning things around?
1: Yeah, you know, I do, um, I do have a little bit of, uh, of hope for Goldschmidt. He's actually the guy that I get the most questions about um, because I think people, yeah, are obviously disappointed with the production that they've seen so far. You know, uh, his June wasn't great, but he has turned it on recently. He had a couple home runs in the Mariners series uh, over the last month. That expected wOBA is up at 331. Um, And so there is a little bit of an improvement in the production. Um, I think he's been a little unlucky uh, recently, as you mentioned. The ground ball percentage is still high. I think that is kind of the biggest yellow flag for me. It got way up there around 50% earlier on this year, it's now down closer to like 45%. He's never been a huge fly ball guy. Um, so it's not a huge, it's not like a red flag, but definitely like a yellow flag there. Um, his barrel percentage is down. Like the Statcast cast data just is not as good. Um, and so I think there's a couple yellow flags there for Goldschmidt. But again, like last year, we all thought he was done too. Um, you know, the and in that situation, there was a lot to support, like the contact rate had cratered and, and all that jazz but you know he still is the guy who's who can put together um like the best example i have is manny machado tons of questions about manny machado earlier in the year and it was just like you know he just needs you know two weeks two weeks of really really good baseball and he looks a lot like the guy that he has in the past And i think the same is true with goldsmith with the exception obviously of the stolen bases but if you drafted him looking for stolen bases, like they were on the decline, he was moving to the middle of the Cardinals lineup. That just was not going to happen. Um, and so I think outside of that, I, I still have some hope. I mean, some yellow flags, but I think you you just plug away with him. How are you feeling about Goldie?
0: Yeah, the more I looked at it when you were talking there, you know, he's wrote a seven game hitting streak into the break, hitting 346 over that stretch, a couple home runs, uh, 306 ISO, which is uh, something that to look up for with Goldie. And when you look at his stat cast numbers, you know, he's barreling the ball a lot less than normal. Back-to-back season, over 13% barrel rate, only 9% right now. But when you look at everything else, still almost a 42% hard contact rate. Um, strikeout rate's pretty much in line with last season. Uh, a 429 x wobo contact. So there is a lot pointing in good directions. It's just, it's not all there yet, I guess, is the way I'd look at it. Um, it's slugging, x slugging everything's not where you want it to be. But there are signs pointing in the right direction. And it could be like you said with Machado. Machado went into Coors, had a huge weekend, and it carried over. Some of these guys just need some confidence to get things going again. New new faces, new places type thing, maybe. Oh, um, nice. And Goldie's a good hitter. And you mentioned the numbers are still looking pretty good. Yeah, um, and I think, Gary, and
1: I, think yeah. I think there's one one danger like in kind of bailing on Goldie, or not that you might necessarily do that, but even taking him out of your lineup sometimes is like you look at what's happened with Danny Jansen and some other guys that really just says like, be patient. Like if a guy is showing, if there isn't a major, if if there isn't like a glaring issue with them, you know, you just got to be patient and you got to trust the skills and that those skills will turn into outcomes because like the last thing you want to do is take him out of your lineup for the week and have that be one of the weeks that he just goes off because then you, have You've you bought the worst part of him, and you've missed like you know that that upswing. So um, caution to folks who are considering kind of taking him out of their lineups.
0: Yep, hundred percent with you there. Just some guys you just got to stick with, and and pray it comes around. Because if you miss that week, it's going to be torturous. Uh, Derek Dietrich, he had came on the scene guns blazing, literally suns out, guns <laughs> out with Derek Dietrich. 330x11 um, in the month of June, which which is a sign of the right direction. Still underperforming a bit, and, and like I said, he's calmed down from what we first saw. Do you have any hopes of Derek Dietrich finding that hot streak again, or is it just a hot streak and it might be time to move on?
1: Um, I think yeah, you know, I think there's a little bit of element. I mean, he's been so bad. Like I think there's there's a little bit of element of of a lack of luck. But when you look at his contact rate, um, it is cratering. Uh, His in-zone contact rate over the last 30 games was at 72%. That's 12% below league average. That's like Joey Gallo territory. Like, it's probably worse than Joey Gallo this year. Uh, Or I should say maybe Bryce Harper territory. Um, We're tackling him next. His contact rate is actually improving. Uh, But uh, 66% overall contact rate. That's 11% below league average his ground ball percentage is up over the same time. So like when you get that lethal combination of you're increasing your ground ball rate, which, you know, you're not really going to get many extra base hits that way. You're also K rate is going through the roof. Uh, He's not that disciplined of a guy at the plate to begin with. And then he's also not a guy who hits lefties really like, that's just not a pretty combination. And I was definitely sucked in by, you know, the start to his season because he showed glimpses in the past, but, it does not look good right now for him. Um, over the last month, he's got a -- I know that you're looking just at June. If you factor in the last week before the All-Star break, his xwoba was at 309, which is well, which is you know about like 12 points below league average. But when you cut out like all the players that aren't fantasy relevant, it's well below league average for uh, fantasy relevant guys. So I don't I think he's, he doesn't need to be owned. Um, but like, if you're looking for a position flexibility, um if you're looking for a guy that could produce a little bit of pop, um you know, I don't know what happened to Scooter gannett Like, did he go back on the IL? He got
0: he got hurt again. He, he tweaked, I believe, his other hamstring or the other side of his groin or something. Okay. That season, that's a whole other guy I'd rather I like to cry about for a little bit. But yeah. yeah, he's back well, on the uh, IL.
1: Yeah, so he's back on the IL. So there is a path to playing time a little bit. So. In your deeper leagues, you may consider holding on to him, but I'm even seeing him in like 14 and 15 team leagues being on the waiver wire. And I I don't necessarily have a problem with that.
0: Yeah. I'm with you there. I think it was fun while it lasted. I wrote it out in some leagues. I think he's more almost more of a hindrance than a help right now. And if he gets streaky, he gets streaky. That's what Derek Dietrich does to be real. Like it's almost like if you see him in a series at home, like you do with Coors players. Yeah. Maybe you give him a shot. When he hits the road and you might want to step back a second. So, uh, Something to think about there, think of you know matchup-dependent type stuff with uh, Derek Dietrich. A couple more hitters to talk about. You mentioned his name, Bryce Harper, uh, polarizing figures. Many think he's disappointing um, for the contract he got, but if people really look at his numbers and you kind of hit on it, in just the month of June and you, you have more numbers on this, he had a .393 expected level, which is outstanding, like really, really good. And over the last few weeks, he's really starting to hit the ball well. Um, and it's not all with home runs, but he's getting on base. He's doing things that are helping the Phillies win some ball games. Uh, what's your take on Bryce Harper right now? Because personally, I think a big second half is coming on.
1: Yeah, I mean I think um I think Bryce Harper is who he has been, right? Like he's had a couple years where the Babbitt has been super high and it's helped him have a good batting average. And then outside of that, he's been like a two fifty hitter with like with an excellent, you know, around four hundred OBP. He's going to put up like 35 to 40 home runs if he's healthy, and he's going to get 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and he'll steal you some bases. And so I don't think there's a huge change. I think the one thing that I would say about Harper is uh, I do really like, if you look at the contact rate, and this is over the last 30 games, his rolling average, there's a very clear trend upward. And Whether that holds or not, I'm not sure, but he's had major contact issues the last couple seasons. Um, And they've been getting worse. And so it's very nice to see them getting um, better. They're actually close to league average. And if he's able to maintain that, I mean, I think he could be scary good um, with this ball in that ballpark, um, making a lot of contact. I think really, really good things could be on the horizon for him. It's just a matter of whether that contact rate um, stays up or not, because I think that's really his major that's his glaring weakness um both in fantasy and i think in in real baseball but like if you're a phillies fan and i mean like you know so far this year his what's his obp 370 like that's tremendous so um you know i, I agree with you i think we could would we could see a really good second half here um i think the contact rate will be the key
0: yeah i'm with you you mentioned like just on the season in general it's um his zone contact 76.4% below league average it is a concern, definitely. But, man, when you look at – he's got his career-best barrel rate of 14% right now. His career-best career exit velocity at 92%. Um, his ex WOBA on contact, 477, almost a 47% hard contact. The big month is coming. Like, there's going to be a run where Harper just goes bananas, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun because, like, if you just do the fun, simple, lazy stat-cast thing, which I like to do once in a while, and when you go to the player's page, you look at the top right corner and see all the red dots, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Like he's ninety plus percentile in a lot of these categories around baseball, and he's still technically not producing the way people want him to produce. Because you're seeing all these home runs this year, and you see Bryce was sixteen. You know the way people are talking about him. I figured he'd have like twelve. Like he's playing very well. Like he's at a three seventy OBP, two fifty three average. That's kind of what he's been doing lately. So I think there's a lot to like with Harper. Maybe I'm just kind of trying to create my own you know hope or something with harper i don't
1: even even think i own him anywhere to tell you
0: the truth i just i'm just kind of rooting for him because i think he's kind of getting a bad rap right now and i think a big uh, a big second half coming is gonna be really fun to watch because getting booed in your first half at home is not where you want to be when you're there for like what the next 12 years so uh, it could be a fun summer in philadelphia
1: definitely yeah and and i think your point on the home runs is like is key if you look at the bat sorry to interrupt like No, he's projected to hit 33 home runs. Like how many times has he hit 33 home runs before in his career? Twice, right? He had 34 home runs last year and then 42 in 2015. He's never hit more than 30 home runs at any other point in his career. So the idea that he's like this monster home run hitter, I think is like one of the misconceptions about him. He's certainly very, very good, but he's not like a, you know, an Aaron judge, like a Chris Davis, a Joey Gallo, level of power guy at least in my book and so you know I think your point around the home runs is an excellent one like it's all about expectations and he's about where he should be
0: yep I'm with you so be fun to see where that one goes the last hitter we're going to talk about this one's been a tough one because he's been injured a lot and he was playing through it so I'm going to give him a grain of salt right now I'm hoping he's gonna be healthy coming out of the break this is when we're gonna get a lot of players as healthy as they've been in a long time coming up here but uh, Crush Davis, Chris Davis of the Oakland Athletics, uh, only 16 homers on the year, again, perspective, because we're used to seeing 40-plus man yeah, yeah. at will. Like, that's what you're expecting from him. But he started showing some some bad luck this last month or so. And if you just look at the, the season as a whole, a lot of his ex-stats point to some really, really good regression coming his way. What's your look at uh, Chris Davis when you break him down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I take a look at Davis, I think it's all, it's all injury. Um, I mean, when you look at the overall profile, like the contact is up slightly, actually. Play discipline has waned a little bit. Um, but like it's all about the quality of contact that he's making. His barrels per plate appearance is down to 7.3%, which is well above league average. But Davis is normally like one of the top five. It's like him, Gallo, Judge, and Sanchez always. Um, and so, you know, I think that to me points at the fact that the injury that he has, um, or the injuries, cause it sounds like it's, it's been plural throughout the course of the first half of the season. I don't own him anywhere, so I'm not exactly sure what they were, but, um, whatever it is, I think that's, what's been hampering him. And so to your point, like he's never going to be healthier than he is coming out of the second half. And so I think we'll get a good indication here coming out of the second half, whether we're going to see like Chris Davis of old or whether this is going to be a season that is quote unquote lost to injury, because he's still going to probably hit 30 home runs. It's just not going to see be the 40 plus home runs and maybe the like 110 RBIs that you were looking for from him that you're going to get. Yep. I'm with you there.
0: I I wouldn't be shocked if he comes out and hits 20 homers in the second half. I, it'd be a hell of a second half because people need to remember we're almost we're over 90 games into the season. So it's not really the half point, but um, he's got that kind of power where he can go on crazy runs if he's healthy and the health is what's got him. The fact he's where he's at now with the health he's had kind of speaks volumes to how talented he actually is, or maybe to the juice ball, a little bit of both. But um, yeah, I think, I think second half guy to definitely be on the lookout for to really open things up and get going. All right. There could have been a ton of batters to talk about, and that's what you can go online and check out or, Hit us up on Twitter with any of your questions. Let's we'll talk about a few arms as well. And one of the pivotal ones that's just been a, a question mark to many is Blake Snell. And he's had so many great starts, but so many just un unsnell-like starts, at least what we've expected after, like it says, it sounds bad, what was it expected after one Cy Young season? Um, you expect a lot from Snell. And it's, it, it, if you look at his, his ex stats, he's been slightly unlucky here. So are you expecting things to continue to get better? Because I believe we saw – a much better start the last time out? Or are you some, uh, concerned that maybe what we're seeing this year is more of what we might get the rest of the way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely going to see – he's not going to be bad as he's been the last month, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, like, over the last month, he's got a 370 WOBA uh, versus a 306 expected WOBA. And so, big difference there. Although, 306, like, that's, that's fine. But it's not Blake Snell. Like, it's not what you're expecting from Blake Snell – So I think he's definitely been unlucky, but I definitely don't think that his stuff this year has been as good recently either. Like if you look at the skills over the last five games, they're still strong, but they're way down from where they were towards the end of last year when he really got going. And even early on this year, I mean, before he got injured, he was just unbelievable and he's really struggled since he came back. So I don't know whether there's anything there. I think the the slight concern that I have is that his velocity is down recently. It's still excellent. I think it's like 95.5 over um, average uh, velocity on his fastball, according to pitch info on Fangraphs over his last five games. Uh, But it was like in the mid-96 range um, uh, before that. And so uh, I think what you're seeing too is like the quality of contact that folks are getting on his off-speed pitches is much different than last year. Last year, his fastball was around league average from a WRC plus perspective. So like 100 being, you know, WRC being like league average. Um, he was at 106 last year. So actually slightly worse than league average in terms of like outcomes on that fastball. But all of his breaking pitches, the slider, the curve, the change, they were all, all they all destroyed. They were just incredible pitches. And this year, you know, his... um uh, I think it's his curveball is the only pitch that has an, a WRC plus under uh, 100. The the slider, um, or actually, I, I don't have it in front of me. It might be, they might be in the 80s. Whatever it is, they just the pitches have not been doing as well when people make contact this year. And so, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some regression there. I'm sure he'll end up somewhere in between. You know, we're not going to get like. Again, I think it's a good example, like we talked about with Chris Carp- uh, with Matt Carpenter. It's like, you know, Snell, like with the Babbitt that he had, with the home run to fly ball rate that he had last year, like that just wasn't going to happen again, even though the skills were absolutely incredible. You just don't see many people being able to replicate that. And so I think it should have been maybe a little bit more predictable for us, but I still think he finishes the year with like a mid threes ERA uh, one of the best Ks per nine um, and strikeout percentages in the league and like a good, a, a decent whip. Um, but I just don't think he's, he's going to be the same guy that we saw last year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And it was going to be tough to duplicate what he did last year. That was pretty pretty ridiculous. Pedro Martinez duplicates last year. That's about it. Yeah. So very, very tough to do what he did back-to-back years. And the other moral of the story is when he get paid millions of dollars, like he got that five-year $50 million deal, you can pay people to move things. So you don't get it hurt in your bathroom. So just couple couple things. Right. You can, you I know can what do.
1: was it? It was like a marble slab that was like. Yeah. Oh God. I yeah, read that, and I, I have I have a lot of exposure to him. I have like him in like four or five leagues, maybe, and I just remember being like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, what out of all
0: the things, I, I I love the freak injuries. Like we can go a deep dive into Carlos Correa and his quote-unquote oh, bad man. massage, but that's a whole other dynamic there. But, like, I remember the Giants, Jeremy Affelt, um, he cut his hands slicing apart frozen hamburger patties. Um, things like that just make you wonder what's going on. Definitely. But uh, another story for another day. Uh, yeah. Adrian Hauser of the Milwaukee Brewers, he caught my attention and not a popular name, but he's been a kind of waiver wire fodder over the last few weeks as the Brew Crew continue to try to develop some kind of semblance in their starting rotation. Um, and what stood out to me in the month of June. A 306 WOBA, but a 242 expected WOBA is really, really strong, and I haven't really seen too much to you know fall in love with, but nothing to really turn me away from him either. When you looked at Adrian Hauser, was there anything that kind of stood out to you possibly that maybe this guy has something, or is he just kind of an average? You know, they're going to throw him out there and maybe a streamer type guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I look at him, I see a guy who was much better in the bullpen than he's shown so far that he can be um, as a starting pitcher. Um, So he's only had two, what I'll call starts, where he got four innings and five innings. I think, first of all, that's always a challenge, right? Is like if a guy, if you know a guy is only going to pitch five innings, you know, it's just, it limits access to wins. Um, It's going to limit the strikeouts that a guy gets. Like all of those things, I think, are a little bit of a, a yellow flag for me. As you can tell, I don't like to use red flags. You know, those are only for the most serious instances. Um, But, like, if you look at his skills uh, in those two starts since leaving the bullpen, 5.6% swinging strike rate, which is atrocious, 92.6% in-zone contact rate. That's terrible. That's like having the best hitter in the league in terms of making contact on his pitches. Uh, 26.1% CSW, which is about 2.5% below league average. Um, And so really there's not a lot of strikeout stuff um, uh, to speak of. And um, his fastball velocity is also down significantly. So it's at 94.5 in his two starts. Uh, When he was in the bullpen, it maxed out at 96.5, so down about two miles per hour from where he was in the middle of June, which is going to impact, obviously, the skills that he's able um, to generate. And so he may have been getting unlucky over the last month in terms of like the expected WOBA versus the WOBA, but I think he's a very different pitcher um, as a starter. And I think for that reason, I'm I'm not really interested in him.
0: Well, I'm glad you cleared that up for me because I was very confused on <laughs> I, I saw his name everywhere. No, because I was sitting there going, okay, why are like these guys mentioning him besides maybe, you know, streamability or this, that, and the other, but Not a long-term asset, and that's what I was most uh, curious about there. Let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies. My boy Vinny V, he's like – he's such a pain in my rear end because every time I see the good starts, I'm like, this is the guy. Like, he's got this dominating fastball. He'd strike guys out. And then there's the other start where he gets like seven home runs, it feels like, and he just can't do anything right. That's what Vinny V does forever. Uh, They put him in the pen for a bit. I thought that was a great fit for him. But now he's back in the rotation. and his last three starts, he's gone five innings, four in a third, and five. But in those two five-inning starts, two earned run, one earned, five Ks, three Ks, he's looked okay. Are we going to buy into the fact that Vinny V is, is back, or is this going to continue to be a Rubik's Cube of just who knows what's going to happen?
1: Oh, we're buying back in on Vinny V. Yes. For sure. <laughs> um, I've been tweeting about uh, Velasquez for the last couple weeks. Um, so since coming back into the rotation, uh, he's got a 14.5% swinging strike rate. He's got an 80.3% Z contact. So both of those are well above league average. Those are borderline elite numbers right there. His control has improved since he uh, came back into the rotation, the first hit strike rate and the zone percentage are up. His slider usage is also up to 34 point, uh, to 34%. And as you mentioned, like, one of the things I love about him is that his fastball is good. Like, it's been good for a while. I have not, I'm not looking at it right now, so hopefully I'm not wrong on that. But, like, generally speaking, like, that's been his, one of his better pitches. Uh, And so I really like that. The slider usage um, is up. Um, I had not looked at this since his last start, but his slider swinging strike percentage was way up over the last couple starts. So whether that's the result of just, like, a small sample size, whether it's actually something meaningful, I'm not sure. But his called plus swinging strike rate over the same period of time is at thirty, or over the last month is at thirty point two percent, which is better than league average. Anytime you're above thirty percent, that's really nice. And then, as you mentioned, like you know, the expected woba is at two eighty three, which is very good. Um, three twenty five woba, so he's gotten unlucky um, over the last month in terms of the the kind of combination of walks, strikeouts, and uh, quality of contact, and what that should have produced. So. Like, you know, whenever you're getting a guy who's still available in some leagues on the 15 team waiver wire, like you can't have huge expectations for them. And I think you pointed out like the innings pitched has been low and you'll probably only see him go through the lineup like two times. Um, you know, he's going to be like a five to six inning guy, but like the skills so far have been elite when he is doing that. And so for that reason, like as opposed to Hauser, I'm more than willing to give. Uh, Vinny v, um, a, uh, a shot um, here um, as a waiver wire pickup or or if you already have him on your team to you stick with him for a little while.
0: Yeah. That's my thing with Vin uh, is he doesn't, or he rarely goes deep. So you're relying on him to give you five, maybe six, you know, two more runs or less. You'd be happy, but just crank those strikeouts up. and Let's rock and roll. I, I like him for the fact that he's not scared to pepper the zone. Sometimes that's his detriment, but like you said, his fastball and I haven't looked at the numbers either, it's more just kind of what I watch and kind of what I know from daily stuff, when his fastball's on, he's just blowing people away, and he's got some movement on it, and it's just it's filthy. So hopefully that kind of clear in your mind, go to the bullpen for a bit, it's working, uh, and, and you get to going he gets it going because he has those stretches where he's so, so good. Let's talk about a guy that's been really, really good this year, but of late, he's made fantasy owners scratch their head, and that's Matthew Boyd. Since June second, so every start until the break, his last six starts, three earned runs or more in every start. He's gone at least five innings. His last four starts, four earned runs or more. But in those six starts, at least six strikeouts. He has a 6.03 ERA over that stretch, which fantasy owners aren't happy about. But a 2.72 xFIP. You look at his wOBA, his xWOBa. Everything points to the fact he's getting unlucky. But he's given up a ton of home runs right now. He at least one every game. Two in two or more in four of those six. There's a lot of, like, uh-oh looks when you check out his stat lines, but then a lot of, okay, this could be should be a lot better. What's your take on Matthew Boyd?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like Boyd. Um, I think skills-wise, he's excellent. Um, you mentioned, like, uh, you know, a lot of the, the estimators, like the expected metrics or XFIP, um, which is not an expected metric, but just uh, a field in, in independent pitching. Uh, with a a, uh, normal league average home run rate, home run per fly ball rate, essentially, in it. Um, So that's going to love him. He, um, 33% called plus swinging strike rate. That's elite. 15.2% swinging strike rate. This is over his last five games. 79% in-zone contact rate. 34.4% O-swing, solid control metrics. I mean, all of that looks really, really good. I think the challenge with Boyd, he's a 50% fly ball guy. Over his last five games, he's giving up Uh, When he gives up contact, 50% of them are fly balls. And he's got a 30% home run per fly ball rate over the last five starts. So I think that tells you the whole story of why he is struggling. And so I think anytime with, in today's game, when like this year's game, I should say like with the ball being not just 2017 levels and it's not juiced, like it's reduced drag, but like even greater reduced drag on the ball this year, like, Anytime you have a 50% fly ball guy, there's going to be the danger that he's going to veer into the fly ball, like all those fly balls going from fly balls to home runs. And so I don't think that 30% home run per fly ball rate is going to be sustainable. Um, the question is whether he can keep it around league average so that when you combine the fact that he gives up a decent amount of home runs with the high strikeout rate, the low walk rate, a lot of our solo shots. We see the same thing with uh, Justin Verlander. Um, you know, that you're able to weather the storm if there's not guys on base. And so I think he's got everything you need to make that happen. I think this is just a blip uh, this year. And so it might make for, he might make for a good target um, for folks, because I think in in any size league, I think those strikeouts play. And if he gets traded to a better team like the Astros or the Padres and teams that are, um, you know, a little bit, maybe even, you know, Boyd is a driveline guy. He worked at driveline this summer. Yeah. a little bit more uh, analytically inclined than maybe the Tigers are. I think maybe you could even see a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the article or read it, but uh, it was three or four episodes at least ago on Around the Bases. With Bubba and Mo, we talked about an article from The Athletic that detailed kind of how the Astros look at pitching. And it started with Verlander coming to town and he's got his video that he goes and looks at him between innings and he looks at stuff the night before and the way that they got Cole doing things the way like you just basically said that the Tigers might not look at things the way the Astros do what the Astros do analytically. And the fact that other teams don't do it is a kind of embarrassing. Other teams don't do it. But what the Astros are doing makes so much more sense why they keep getting more and more pitchers to just dominate that weren't maybe dominating before. And it's, it goes along the lines of, well, we're not going to try to change you. We're going to take what you have and make it better. And it's like, they, they found a way to make Coles fastball faster and lift more in the zone, like little things like that instead of tweaking everything, it's amazing. So you have a really good point there. If Boyd goes over there to, to, to Houston, and he's already striking guys out, now I got to worry about maybe keeping the ball in the ballpark, tweak a couple little things, and oh, boy. So it, it could be really, really interesting there. Absolutely. All right, last thing to talk about, we have a couple more bats to mention, is Marcus Stroman. This is a guy that I can never fantasy-wise get behind for me because he, he, he'll he go deep once in a while, but for the most part, he's like a six-inning guy. He gives you a lot of good quality starts if you're in a quality start league, but he doesn't strike anybody out. And maybe I have blinders on where I need my strikeouts, but for me, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and he just doesn't do it. Now, he could possibly get traded to the Yankees like him, uh, the Cubs like him, a couple other clubs. Do you have any insight on uh, maybe what your thoughts are fantasy-wise for Marcus Stroman going forward? Because I just can't buy into him, but maybe you can convince me.
1: Uh, yeah, no, you won't get any convincing from me. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just not a profile that I'm all that interested in. I probably should be more. I mean, if you're in a deeper league, I think in a 12-team league, he's borderline. But I think in a 15-team league, there's definitely value there just for the ratios. Uh, you know, over the last month, the 267 expected Woba, which is great. 271 Woba, 9.8% swinging strike rate. That's below league average, which is not surprising, right? He's a sinker-heavy guy. Um, you know, his slider does get a decent amount of whiffs, but he just doesn't, he throws it a a decent amount. He's throwing it more this year than I think he's ever done before. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's being more successful. Uh, but it's just not enough to carry the overall profile. 32.3% O swing, uh, low zone percentage. Um, one metric that I've started to look at more is actually the percentage of pitches that a pitcher throws that are balls. Uh, ra- league average is around 36 to 37% and he's right around league average just as like a control metric. Um And, um and so like me- mediocre control, he's not going to have a great K percentage. So the K minus walk isn't going to be terrific. CSW is right around league average, you know, so really what he does and I think you can see this if you look at his rolling average graphs is when the Babbitt is up, he's not good. When the Babbitt is down, he's bad or he's, he's good. And so, you know, I think if you're willing to kind of ride that Babbitt wave, then that's, you know, totally fine. But I just think, again, like if, if you give up too much contact in today's game, it's a dangerous thing. And there's very few pitchers that I trust, um, you know, who do give up a lot of contact to pitch in today's game. So I'm just kind of sticking. Um, it's not like I'm like never going to touch Stroman in a 15 team league or something like that. But He's just not somebody that I would necessarily target.
0: Yep. I completely agree with you there. A couple more bats to talk about Hunter Dozier. I know he's near and dear to your heart. I love what he's been doing this year. Um, I didn't know he'd be this good, but every time I go back and look at his stat cast page and then I, I do his fan page a lot for daily stuff. He just continues to do it. And one thing I noticed I like about him a lot is he, he crushes right-handed pitching better than he does left-handed pitching. So the splits aren't even a thing anymore, which like, at least that was my first thought with a power about like Hunter Dozier. What is it that you're seeing that really has your attention on Hunter Dozier?
1: Yeah, I mean, he he's, um, I got a question for, about him, um, a couple questions, I think, around uh, just like, oh, is this kind of the end of Dozier? Like, was this first half just like a really nice run? And I don't think it is. I mean, over the last month, 270 Woba but he's got a 328 expected WOBA, so slightly better than league average. And I think, you know, remember he had an injury to his hand, I believe, um, and yes. he came back, and you can see the difference when he came back. Like the contact rate, he had some contact rate struggles, but it's starting to improve now. The hard hit rate is still really, really good. You know, stat cast metrics are still solid. Um, and so uh, I kind of added him to the list here to go over just for folks who – did jump onto the Dozier uh, bandwagon, the good Dozier bandwagon uh, to be on. Um, I wouldn't hop off now. I do think that he's going to continue to put up production similar to what he did uh, early on this year. And I think he's just going through uh, a combination of bad luck and returning from an injury. And as you so astutely pointed out earlier, he's not going to be any healthier the rest of the year after getting a week-long break pretty much for the All-Star break. So I'm I'm liking Dozier rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm liking him a lot, and then like his teammate Jorge Soler, who he gets a little pub, but I don't think he's getting the love he deserves. The the Royals, like you mentioned, the Giants, you know, a couple of years out, they're building things up. I don't know if the Royals are a couple of years out, but you have to at least. I'm surprised they're better than the. I thought they'd be worse than this this year. Let's put it that way. They're at least keeping things interesting. They're not great by any means, but like Mondesi, Merrifield. You have uh, Dozier, Solaire, even Gordon had that run. Imagine if Salvi was was healthy. Like yeah. they're actually sneaky, interesting. Like they're not great by any means, but they're like Miami Marlins, interesting at times. So mm. there is something there, and, and to keep your your head your head held high if you're all right. My uh, Minnesota Twins, Jason Castro. I've been raving about this guy for about a month or so. He went through a little bit of a slump, and I'm pretty sure this is where you're going to go with this because I, I I got people wondering. Well, what's going on here? You're raving about him. And I want to tell people he still has a 50% hard hit rate this year. His exit velocity is 92%. And his, his barrel rate is almost 20% still this season. And before I let you get going on this one, his last four games entering the break, he's hitting 533. Eight base knocks uh, in, in his last four games with two home runs. Um, starting to see a little more of what we saw in the hot stretch there with him. He's always going to be platooning. That's the biggest kind of bugaboo. Mitch Garber's there. But they usually put DHE Mitch Garber. So he's still getting to play every other day or so. I think there's a lot to like with Jason Castro. Maybe I'm wrong, but what is it you wanted to talk about with Jason Castro?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm pulling together a, a podcast on, like, the guys that I like in the second half. Uh, and Castro is is chief among them. If you look at him, he is actually the eighth – I think it's seventh or eighth. I think it's, I think it's seventh. Uh, he has the se- seventh largest uh, – at the half season mark, the seventh largest underperformance of his expected WOBA. So his expected WOBA is um, in the low 400s and his um, his WOBA is around 360. And so he's been underperforming throughout the year. You mentioned it. He actually, of all qualified hitters, he has the second highest barrels per plate appearance. And so essentially like he went through, he doesn't get a ton of playing time, right? He probably plays four four out of every seven games behind the plate. He's a good defensive catcher. Um, he is continuing to crush it. His hard hit rate is at 60% over the last 15 games. Um, he has great plate play discipline or like at least solid plate discipline and solid contact skills. He hits a ton of balls in the air right now. I think his ground ball rate is like 25% and his hard hit rate is 60% over his last 15 games. So there's just a lot to love, and I see him being dropped in a lot of leagues and being available even in 15 teamers. I picked him up in one of my 15 team leagues um, uh, last week, I think. And so, you know, for that reason, I think Castro is a is a is a catcher. Like if you lost Yadi, like and you can't get Danny Jansen, then I think you know Jason Castro is a is a great fill in um, uh, for him. Um, you know, and so I, I really like Castro moving forward. I think what he's doing or what he did earlier this year was legit. And I think we could see another hot uh, hot streak similar to what we saw earlier this year, which was insane. Like, there was a couple weeks there where he was just yeah. hitting home runs every single game.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. I think that's a great call. Uh, people, and it is the catcher's position, so I get if you want to play the hot hand, replace him. I could see where people might have had the need to drop him because it was a little cold there for a bit. But uh, he's one of the better ones out there. Like, Matt Wieters filling in for yadi Molina, that's risky. Jason Castro. Much better. Stuff like that. A couple more bats here. This is a good one. This kind of after we talked about Bryce Harper expectations. I think Mookie Betts is getting kind of that same rub with only 13 homers, but still 10 steals, hitting 272. People are expecting the MVP Mookie. Like He's supposed to keep getting better. He's only, you know, 26 years old. What's happening with Mookie Betts? But you're going to explain to us in a minute here that things should be okay in Mookie land, I have a feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I just thought it was interesting that he had one of the largest discrepancies between or underperformances of his expected Woba 434, which is elite, especially for a whole month. Like 434 is really, really good. Uh, 382 Woba. So he continues to underperform. I think we could see a really big half um, from Mookie and just the Red Sox offense in general. And OJD Martinez is also underperforming a little bit, especially to expectations. So um, just don't be too concerned. I think Mookie is going to turn it around. Um, and what's incredible is just he's quote unquote struggling, and and his production is still uh, really really good. And if he does continue to struggle and he starts going in the late half of the first round like he did two years ago, make sure you draft.
0: <laughs> yeah, be all over that one. Don't be silly and think this is a bad deal. This is not Matt Carpenter, folks. He's going to be okay. Um, yeah, don't sleep on that. Last name you put down here, big Heimer Candelario fan. And obviously this season didn't come out to the way we wanted it to, but it's kind of – I might be painting with too broad of a, a brush here. It feels kind of like the Lourdes Guriel deal, who I was big on early in the year, struggled with the minors, and now he's just beasting out since he's been back. Well, Candelario's been back since the twenty six. He's played in 11 games now. He's hit three fifty with four homers, a stolen base even. A three seventy five ISO, four seventy three WOBA. He is raking, absolutely raking at the plate right now for the Detroit Tigers. What do you got for us on Heimer Candelario?
1: Yeah, no, you you got it. I mean, since he's come back, he was a guy I liked a lot heading into this year. I have him in like virtually all of my draft champions leagues. Um, And I had him in a lot of my deeper leagues heading into this year. Unfortunately, (laughs) I dropped him in all of them. Uh, uh, But he's still out there on the wire. For a lot of folks, the contact rate uh, is back up uh, 86%. The hard hit rate is surging 57.1% over those 11 games since he returned. Uh, The ground ball rate is right around the average headed downward. Uh, The O swing is okay. It's, It's actually not that good. Uh, but the major piece is that he's making um, a lot of contact. He's hitting the ball hard um, and he's hitting it a decent amount um, in the air. And so I think he's going to get every opportunity um, in that lineup. Uh, they want him to be good. He's definitely a part of their future. And so I think he's going to get everyday plate appearances. So, especially in your deeper leagues and your 15 team leagues, um, he's definitely be somebody that I would be looking at um, adding here. Um, he probably went in a few leagues last week. He'll probably go in more, uh, this upcoming week, but he's just a guy that I, um, really like moving forward. And they've also got a decent schedule, uh, at KC right after the break four against Cleveland. So not great there, but then Toronto two, uh, two at home with Philly then against the Mariners, which is a juicy matchup. Uh, then the Angels, not a great match or a great matchup too, from a pitching perspective. Then Texas, so like all in all, a pretty solid schedule coming up for Candelario and the Tigers as well.
0: Yeah, I like that quite a bit. There's, I, I was a big fan of him when he came over from the, the Cubs. I thought that was a good move for the Tigers, and you know they they, they were hitting at the top of the order for a while. The hit tool is really good. The power just wasn't you know happening early on, but the fact he's already at four since his return. I think he's a very good guy to grab onto and ride the roller coaster that is Heimer Candelario in the second half. and Hopefully it's a lot more peaks than valleys this second half of the season. All right, Kobe, that's going to wrap us up this uh, episode of Bench with Bubba. That was a blast, as always. <laughs> friend,
1: we always go long, man. I talk. Your listeners, if you're listening to me for the first time, I talk a ton, and I apologize you
0: know, do, for it. Do not, do not apologize. It's always great info. If it's not great info, I would have cut you off a long time ago. No, but uh, no, it, it's always good stuff. And there's a reason you keep coming back on. So, uh, And people, I, I have a feeling if they listen to Bench with Bubba, they listen to the Batflip Crazy podcast. But before we wrap up again, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find your podcast and all that great stuff.
1: Definitely. Uh, on Twitter, at Batflip Crazy. The podcast is also Batflip Crazy. It's available on iTunes, all, your, all of your podcast platforms. I put one out a week. And it's a lot of what you've uh, heard today, kind of deep dives into the underlying skills and what they might portend for, um, you know, some of our favorite players or not so favorite players. But a lot of times I try to focus on guys who are maybe a little bit surprising, uh, not necessarily on your like top 200 guys, but more on on guys who might be emerging or uh, who are underperforming or overperforming what maybe they should be doing awesome everybody go check that out again bat
0: at bat flip crazy on twitter and the podcast is great he goes solo very often and it's crazy that he does the solo pods as well as he does because um yeah it's not easy folks not easy at all but uh it's awesome stuff and as always toby thanks for joining me man
1: great thank you so much bye bye i really appreciate it
0: no problem we'll do this again very very soon but everybody this was bench flip bubba episode 187 with toby at bat flip crazy catch you guys later